Welcome, everyone. It's the USL Show. This is the Western Preview Episode 3, I believe. The USL Show is brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network, and we are now sponsored by Roughneck Scarves. With us tonight will be Roger Graham of Tornado Alley, Carson Merck of Switch and Play Soccer and Dynamo Theory, our own pony of Indomitable City Soccer, Phil Grooms is also with us, uh, and myself, Kevin McCamish of Play the Kids. So... Uh, a couple news items first to go over. Uh, we, there's like uh, kind of the, some important stuff just to, to kind of check real quick. USL rule changes. There's a couple of rule changes to go over. So uh, games are now official after 70 minutes. So uh, you know if there's storms which happen in the Midwest and, and elsewhere, um, causing games to quit or, or have to cut out early. They'll be official if they cut out after the 70th minute. Um, fourth sub in playoff games, which is new for usl but i don't i want to say mls did it last season the end of 2017 their playoffs had a fourth sub that you can use um in extra time right you can only use it in if you go into extra time but before you finish extra time to go into penalties yeah i thought it was Uh, like really new and crazy you know obviously people have been talking about doing this for a while but i didn't realize that uh the Premier League's been doing this for the the FA Cup tournament. So I thought we were way ahead of the game on that, but, you know, not that ahead of the game. And I mean, and I don't know for sure. I'm not 100% confident, but it feels like MLS was doing it in 2017. I could be wrong. Maybe I'm just thinking. No, they definitely introduced that last season in MLS. Okay, so I see I I was right. Look at me have have some sort of memory. (laughs) Um, Let's see. Other things we've got, uh, another other rule changes. Teams can trade or sell international spots um, like we do in MLS and other leagues. Um, And then the game day roster um, limited to a maximum of five academy players, which will be interesting for a lot of the MLS 2 sides, I think. You know, especially like S2, T2, teams that have those those team academies that, that they use a lot of their players when their first team needs some of the loners. Um, any other rule changes I missed? I think that's all of them. Anyone have any thoughts on any of those being good for your team, bad for your team, bad for the league, good for the league? Um, I hear it's Roger Graham here. As a follower of an independent team, you know, one of the things that was uh, maybe Phil, you probably feel the same way, was just seeing some of these huge loan transfers happen before a big match. Oh, you know, Seattle sends down nine players. I'm not I'm just picking on Seattle, but you know, as an example, or eight uh, Reno players now, or Saint, uh, Salt, whatever, uh, San Jose players come down and, and now are playing for Reno. Is this going to limit some of those huge line shifts, or is this going to mitigate that at all? I don't. I don't think it will, mm. um, because it's because it, it's limiting only academy players and not first team loans down to two sides. Um, I know. I know what you're talking about because if you actually go back to 2017, look at the U.S. Open Cup match between the Portland Timbers and Seattle Sounders. Both teams were like, they they both sides were like, yeah, f this, you know. And they mm-hmm. loaned up like between nine and eleven players, like from T two, because you know, like MLS has that emergency loan of T two or, or of MLS two side signed mm. players up to short term four day contracts to MLS, and both sides did that for their for their uh, U.S. Cup match. So even though T two and S two are not eligible for the U.S. Open Cup, they literally played a T two team versus an two team in the open cup <laughs> right as the actual first teams yeah i think um, that's actually an exception <laughs> it's an exception you can actually call up players it's 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 easy to send them down but it's hard to call back up i guess but i think open cup it's an exception to that rule yeah because you can't do it during league matches in MLS. Right. it's only like open cup and i think ccl maybe two for teams that are lucky enough to get in there but um but no it won't it won't the academy player limitations shouldn't affect that what what it could affect is like if you have a team, and I'm going to use my team as an example just because it's easiest for me to think of. You know, if if the Timbers had a bunch of injuries and they had to take all of their first team loans back to the first team, and mm-hmm. even potentially sign some emergency like four day loans, uh, you know, I think I think if you were in like dire straits for emergencies like injuries, you can loan up to MLS. I'm not sure, 
But if, like, let's say that's the case and they could do that, then they'll move some T2 players up. Then you've got no one left. Then mm-hmm. what they'll do is they'll pull from the academy and be like, hey, let's give a bunch of academy players some time. So what this will do is prevent them from doing that and basically wouldn't even be able to field a T2 team probably. Okay. But I, I mean, stuff like that's probably not going to happen. But that's I. But that's that's the type of thing that happens. And I think the specific example, like the with the with that change that people were giving, is that nine nil um, game where I think it was Reno beat LA two, and I think it was just because LA two played like what a ten or twelve like a bunch of academy players and Reno just mm. stomped them. And I think that's kind of like where it came from, from what it seems like, but. Essentially, that's essentially what it is. But it, but it, it's not going to like affect how the loan system works between MLS and USL right, right. now. Which right. which disappoints me the most, honestly. I was really excited about all these rules, but the fact that they didn't address that, which is something that's been a problem for sure, um, I thought they should have at least addressed it a little bit, just like a warning, like, hey, in about three, four, five years, this is going to disappear or be extremely limited at some point. But. I was disappointed in that. But the other thing I wanted to bring up was the uh, international slots, I think, might affect, you know, teams that don't use all of theirs regularly, uh, which I think there are a lot of them out there, most most likely, <clears throat> versus those powerhouse teams like maybe Phoenix, Cincinnati, you know, Vegas is looking at picking up a, a lot of Mexican players, it looks like. Um, but follow this Tommy, the Heinemann situation in Cincy, because they filled up all of their uh, foreign, their international slots. And as far as I know, there's not an American forward available that is like Heinemann. And so they're going to probably have to go out of the uh, country to get that to happen. So this rule really is super good timing for them if that's the case, uh, depending on what happens with that. But uh, any other thoughts from anyone else? Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think any of these rules are really a bad thing when they look at it. I mean, obviously from like a Vegas or Rio Grande Valley aspect. Um, games now being official, not a lot of inclement weather in either Vegas or Rio Grande Valley. Um, I like the fourth sub in the playoff games. Obviously, watching the added time or extra time in playoff matches when everyone is gassed is super fun. There is no energy anywhere on the pitch. So I'm just adding an extra guy there. Then I think the the international spot is be interesting. Like you said, some of the uh, teams that try to grab up some of the bigger name players or like you said, here in Vegas, you know, a lot of Mexican uh, international players. So it uh, should be interesting. Uh, and then obviously the Academy, uh, I wish, like Roger said, it would limit the other direction of, you know, players. I was actually in uh, Swope Park for a Swope Park RGV match two years ago and was talking to some of the players beforehand. And there was like six or seven sporting KC players going down and not like bench players that never played, but like starting players. They had that week off in terms of down. RGV still won for the record, nice. but uh, yeah, it would it would have been nice to kind of limit the other direction. I think you know, yeah, the academy players. If you have ten of them or eleven, you're probably going to get you know lowest dosed. But uh, other than that, I, you know, I don't see much of a much of an issue with that. For those of you keeping track at home, that's Carson talking. I'm not sure you guys have figured out whose voice is whose, but uh, Pony, we haven't heard much from you. Uh, any thoughts on that? Well, I think the academy situation is to stop the MLS two teams from basically throwing games at times to the, the nine Oh games, a perfect example of when it became the high school all-stars versus Reno, where that's not going to end well for them. And it did not end well for them. We don't want to see that as fans. We don't want to see that as teams. And I think it's good. They instituted that just to stop, stop the games where it's going to be a blowout. And we know it's going to be a blowout before the game even kicks off. The one I think is I'm, I'm actually not, too happy with the international spot rule because I think it's going to create a situation where a few teams with money are going to pull way ahead of everyone else. Because if Cincinnati or Louisville or Sacramento or Tampa or someone like that is able to buy 10, 15 international spots preying on teams who actually don't use them to start, they're going to be that much better, that much more powerful, and we're going to end up with a situation where there really are only four or five teams who could actually win the title from the start. Well, I like the ability to play with that a bit. I think there needs to be some sort of uh, upper limit cap, like maybe say to get to 10, you can't buy more than 10 spots mm. because otherwise you could see a situation where one team is just so overpowered because they paid an extra maybe six figures to get all these great players from international and who's going to 
I mean, maybe get like Richmond, Penn, something like that, who is not going to really use their spots to start. They'd rather take the money. I'm sure that I'm sure they'd rather yeah, they get would. the money. Well, but and I mean, say you know what, we're going to be we're going to not be as good as them. They could take it, and maybe five years down the road, we could take our spots back and maybe make a run. But I think it's going to create a lot more imbalance between the great teams and the teams that are just average, and the teams who just say, "Yeah, we're just going to play 30 games a year and whatever. We're going to finish 10th." Is, are those international spots only limited to independent sides? Because um, if if the if two sides, if MLS two sides have these have these international slots, and they don't, I don't see a lot of them using them if they're primarily first team loans. So right. you know maybe the first team player is is on a green card or using an international slot for the for the first team. Maybe it doesn't count. I don't know how that would work out. But also you have a lot of academy players who are obviously going to be domestic. Um, and, and I know, and I know of teams like two sides, especially the Timbers who just like give things away. Like, hey, we don't care about what we get for these players. We're just going to release them and then they can sign for whoever they want. Like that's a, a sort of situation where, you know, Louisville or, or any of the teams you're talking about could come up and be like, Hey, we'll give you five bucks and a hot dog for one of your national slots. And Timbers would be like, yeah, sure. Why not? We don't <laughs> I can use them. Hell, keep the five bucks. We'll just take the hot dog. You know, like so, <laughs> you could you could potentially like gain a ton of international slots for for almost nothing if the two sides have them and just don't use them. So if that's the case, I mean, absolutely, they should have a, a maximum per team. Uh, they don't already. I mean, I'm honestly surprised that they wouldn't have mentioned that there was supposed to be a maximum because even even if the MLS two sides don't have international slots or can't trade them, it's still a lot of international slots out there because there's. Yeah. Five per team, and that's a lot of teams. And if teams don't use them, then you one or two, or three teams could have their entire team full of international players. And if there's no limitations, and there's no you know they got all the money they want, right? It, just to clarify, real quick, guys, is it every team starts with five automatic, and you can purchase more, or is it five, and people can trade to other teams? I don't even know if it's five. I think I'm it's just, seven. I thought it was seven. Yeah. yeah, seven. Yeah, I thought it was seven. Okay. So they I just was, made. I was mentioning five off out of my. Sorry. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Gotcha. I think that's that, fellas. Yeah, <laughs> sounds good. All right. So, yeah, <laughs> uh, that's enough of the news. We definitely have to get into the t- uh, team previews. So we will be right back, uh, starting with Tulsa after this break. All right, we're going to take a second here to tell you about one of our other sponsors, and that is Soccer Loco. You can find them at SoccerLoco.com. And uh, ever since we were announced with uh, them having them as our sponsor last week, uh, I've been digging into their website, looking at everything. You can buy regular soccer gear for your kids, for yourself, for your wife. You can buy jerseys, uh, which seems to be the main thing that they sell. Uh, at least they have a ton of them. And so I was digging into that. I'm a jersey guy. I like to buy a lot of jerseys. And I wanted to go like I do when I go shopping at the mall or anywhere else. I go straight to the clearance rack. And so I went to the clearance and I found a couple jerseys that were pretty cool. Um, you know, I follow the national team. So I was just looking for, you know, they have a lot of the main teams, the main leagues. And so I looked under the Premier League section and found uh, a Newcastle jersey. I thought about getting that because of uh, Yedlin. And uh, they definitely have a Dortmund jersey. Both of those were like 15, 16, 2015, 2016, or something like that, maybe 16, 17. So I'm thinking about jumping on one of those since the price is pretty good. Um, but if you do want to look at the clearance and buy any soccer gear and you want to support our show do that, please. You can go to the uslshow.com and there's a banner there you can click for Soccer, Soccer Loco. And if you click that banner and then buy something, we get a little credit for that. They know that uh, you did that in support of our show. And so uh, that would help us out a lot. And so, um, you know, you get a shirt, you get some gear, and we get a little bit of recognition, which is great because uh, they were nice enough to sponsor us for that. So thank you guys for supporting the show in that way. And uh, I'll stop talking and we'll get back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, so first off, we're going to go with Roger Graham to talk to uh, us about Tulsa Roughnecks. Give us an update. Um, how's your field doing? Um, how's your supporters, community players, in and out? Uh, can you tell us a little bit about Tulsa? 
What about Tulsa? Well, uh, guys, thanks for having me this week. I appreciate it, and big fan of the show. Uh, yeah, Tulsa, lots going on in the off season, and and one of the things we were talking off air was, you know, we're, we've lost some really good players to the off season, and and I was afraid we would just because we had some really nice players, and you know that kind of attention gets brought to these players and other teams want them. We lost our goal scorer, our leading goal scorer in Spontessen to the Charleston battery. And we lost who I thought was one of our better defenders uh, is now in Portland. Uh, Mojo, uh, who, who signed Ooh. with, the, yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, signed with the Timbers. And we're, you know, I'm very glad to see that he's a, uh, signed with the MLS team. If, if we're going to lose our player, I wanted to lose them to higher division teams, just me personally, or to the East where I won't have to see them again. <laughs> but uh, yeah. And then uh, another player that we lost that I think will be a, well, two or three other players here that got significant playing time for uh, Tulsa is Juan Pablo Caffa, who I'm, I'm surprised the MLS teams kind of overlooked him. Maybe it's, you know, he's 34 years old. Either way, this guy is a tactician and is surgical. It is surgical from outside the box. You do not want to foul him feet from the box. He will score from there on free kicks. He did it all the time for Tulsa last year. Um, had some called back off, you know, you know, somebody got a foul. But he it seemed like every time he had the ball right near the, the box, it was almost a goal every time. It was just something to see. Uh, Bradley Bourgeois going to Nashville along with Kosuke Kimura and uh, folks who've been following the MLS for a while. Kosuke, uh, great, uh, you know, great veteran leadership, played uh, the Rapids and uh, I believe with New York Red Bull. So he's got a lot of experience and, and leadership there. Nice guy, super nice guy. He was with the with Timbers Bradley. before that. Sure. I'm sorry, <laughs> go ahead. He was with the Timbers before that. Oh, yeah. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So. Good guy there, and, and Bradley Bourgeois, somebody who I think is on the up, uh, played with the University of Tulsa for his collegiate and was uh, over. Uh, Carson's probably familiar with him when he went over to Houston for a little while and played with RGV a couple of games and then came back to Tulsa. Uh, somebody who I think he, he could play a multitude, multitude of positions but really was comfortable with that center back position uh, along with Mo Jadama. So we lost both of our center backs, our left back as well. And then uh, Joey Calistri, uh, uh, Phil, I know you've got to be excited about that. Very. Uh, I'm not excited about seeing him three times this <laughs> year, but uh, is what it is. Uh, somebody who I was surprised was waived by the Chicago Fire and then uh, was picked up by St. Louis. This guy is a catalyst on the pitch. He can assist. He can score. He's great on the wing. Very quick. Very tactically sound. Uh, you're going to really love him in, in, in a, a St. Louis for sure. Uh, so let's talk about some of the, the new additions, and then we'll get to some of the other you know, off-the-pitch stuff as well, on-the-pitch, off-pitch uh, type news here. But we'll just talk players here for now. Uh, you know, we got Fabian Sturdivant back, who uh, was our starting goalkeeper. Uh, Paris G was somebody who I thought really started playing well towards the end of the, end of the season, had the one goal against uh, San Antonio in the playoffs, really played a nice match there. Uh, somebody who I think um, – who's who's on the up for sure and then we have um uh, somebody i'm surprised uh at that didn't sign with las vegas because he's a las vegas guy was joaquin rivas and i was glad to see him back he played some great minutes at midfield there for tulsa and really fit in with uh, dave valgerall's system quite well like to score against for, st louis uh, for, for sure from distance. what's that oh yes <laughs> yes he did he uh he, he gave you guys some fits uh, yeah, and he, he and um, Corrales, who's now with the Chicago Fire. Oh, I forgot to mention him. He, he's with the Chicago Fire, and he's somebody uh, that I, I don't know. We might see him in, in, in Tulsa, you know, with that affiliation with the Chicago Fire. So I kind of have him on a kind of a tweeter, a, a tweeter list as he may be here. He may not be. Who knows? So we'll see how that all pans out. But um, uh, Francisco Ugarte, kind of our enforcer in the back, he's somebody who you know, he gets some yellow cards, but, uh, you know, he, he shows people what's up. He doesn't he doesn't back down. So, you know, if we can keep his yellow cards limited, I think he will be certainly a, a, a player to get lots of minutes there in Tulsa. Either way, I expect him to get quite a few minutes, even if he's picking up yellow cards. Um, some of the new guys that we have that are coming to Tulsa, and, and I'll be honest, a lot of these guys I don't know much about. Uh, a lot of them played in South America. 
uh, in, in lower leagues there. So I didn't get a lot, you know, it's hard to get a scouting report and you know, these leagues are really just honestly, I don't follow much, but I'll do my best. Uh, Juan Perez is probably the big splash of these new signings. So, uh, you know, I've heard good things about him. He's a pretty versatile player, can play in a lot of positions, play the wing. He can play fullback. I think he can even play four if he needs to. So, you know, we'll, we'll see where he lands at. Uh, Claudio Munoz uh, played with, he came up to the River Plate system in uh, Chile. So, or, I'm sorry, in Argentina. So, you know, we'll, you know, if you, you see that name, you see that kind of pedigree, that, that's certainly exciting to see. Uh, see that with a player. And then, you know, some of the other guys here, I'll just kind of briefly go. Uh, Eddie Terveres, uh, somebody I've heard really good things about. He came on trial with uh, Tulsa last year. And, uh, you know, they didn't sign him, but he came really close to playing for Tulsa last year. And I, I'm not sure why, but for whatever reason, he didn't. And But I've heard great things. He's, they said he's a great guy, great practice player, somebody who's got a good motor, and and some of the guys, maybe some of the uh, players that I talked to last year, were pretty excited to see him uh, show back up in Tulsa. And then uh, Christian Rodriguez, who I had on the podcast last week, uh, he has a great. He, he's been a pro since he's basically been a teenager. Played for CD Foss in uh, El Salvador. Played there for two and a half years. He was first team playing professional soccer at 20, 19 years old in a very contested, um, you know, he said it was, you know, they would cuss him out if they didn't, if he had a bad game, you know, so a lot of intense pressure there for a, you know, 19, 20 year old to go through, but uh, he's, he's come up and he's excited to be with Tulsa. And, and I've heard that he's just really quick on the ball, can get behind defenders. He's a midfielder and, you know, we'll, like a lot of these guys have never played together in which is, you know, it's just like Tulsa last year. You had all these guys signing, not know much about them. And then some of these guys were first teamers, you know, Juan Pablo Cafa, somebody didn't hear much about. Then all of a sudden he just tore it up for Tulsa last year. Well, that's the and thing. This is kind of the calling card. Dave. Oh, go ahead. No, I mean, that's the thing about your coach is that, you know, two years ago had a pretty rough year. Um, you had mm-hmm. um, Vaudrill and, you get that Chicago uh, affiliation and all of a sudden he's found some good players and you guys really looked a lot better last year. Do you think that's a lot of that as the coach? Did the affiliation help? What do you think? Both. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Both. Exactly. You know, I think with the affiliation with Chicago and we had Colin Fernandez and, and someone I alluded to earlier, uh, Joey Cleese street, those are great additions and they got a lot of playing time with Tulsa. And then, you know, with Vaudreau, he, he has this kind of calling card. You're starting to see kind of his play style kind of unfold here. He loves, you know, gets a lot of South American talent, a lot of Central American talent, plays that style of soccer. And you're starting to see that with some of these guys he's signing and who've had success through his system. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I, I think with he was a breath of fresh air for sure here also. And, you know, we, I mean, after 2016, we're sitting here scratching our heads, wondering, oh, where's, what's this franchise going to do now? <laughs> I mean, it was such a bad season. I was with you. Oh, yeah. I mean, we were sitting here going, guys, is this, I mean, seriously, uh, we were sitting here thinking, is this going to be it? Is this it? And to see them bring in Dave Vaudreau, uh, he was such a, somebody who was hungry, ready to get, you know, uh, you know, get that opportunity and, you know, props to the front office for, uh, for seeing something in him. And, you know, you sat down and talked to him for a couple of minutes. You know, this guy knows soccer. If you guys have a chance to interview him, I would, uh, you know, certainly do that because he's a guy and he knows so much about the sport and just really interesting just to sit there and pick his brain, to be honest. Well, Rod, you mentioned on-field, off-field uh, situations. Tell me about your pitch, because this is one of the things I'm most excited about this season, considering we're coming down to Tulsa. Yes, yes. Well, yeah, we're excited to see you guys. And, um, yeah, so let's talk about the pitch. So they've – so for those who don't know, uh, Tulsa plays at a baseball field, One Oak Field. Great stadium, great field. It's really nice and, and top of the line as far as baseball – you know, fields ago, but we had a, we had a little, we had a pitcher's, we could not play over the pitcher's mound. Well, they've installed, I think uh, they've installed the retractable mound, 
the hydraulic system. They're doing that right now. So we'll be able to play over the pitcher's mound. So we're basically moving the entire pitch, uh, basically one whole section over to the left or to the north, which puts it closer to the left field line. So if you're sitting there, you know, uh, watching, watching the game over on the left field, it's going to be a lot closer for you. And if you're over there in the supporter section, like you should be with us, it's they're moving the supporter section one set one section over to put behind. So we'll be back behind the uh, the the net. And yeah, I'm excited about that. I think that was a great move by the front office to to kind of see that. You know, just just talking with casual fans, that was one of the complaints. Was mm-hmm. uh, the, the field so far away? We're we're so far removed from it. So I am to see that the front office took that initiative to invest in the hydraulic system of that pitcher's mound. And for folks who may have watched the Louisville match last year, the, the finals, uh, they have that same type of system there. Yeah. But that means you'll be playing more over the, you know, in the middle of the summer, the, the grass over the, the baselines. So, you know, it gets dry in Oklahoma that could be a problem and, and players may want, you know, they seem to avoid that area when, when they play in Tulsa for, you know, cause it's slippery, it's slippery. It's, it just doesn't give as well when you're running. It's not all uh, turf, so, is it? It's all, it's all grass and dirt, right? Yeah, that's correct. Good. So that's yeah, better they lay than Louisville where they mix it and then like mix it. Yeah, no, it's all natural grass. And went over there and said, Hey, you know, and I was talking to Brian Carroll, the GM, and he was showing me the, you know, the statement, it's green grass. And we, we just got out of temperatures where it was 10 degrees every day, you know? So it was to see them with the green grass was, I was pretty as a home and somebody who tries to do the same here. I was really impressed with that. But anyway, uh, and then we have a new, uh, uh, the, the women's supporter group, the, the wrench maidens are, uh, are now live and online. So more supporter groups, more people watching, more people interested in the sport and, you know, that's that's all good stuff from uh, my perspective. Sounds good. That's all really good stuff, Raj. Um, Kev, what do you think? Should we move on to uh, the next well, team, or what do you think? Uh, give me r- real quick, Roger. What what do you think? Like, how do you think Tulsa is going to do in twenty eighteen? Any predictions? Any like like where do you think you might end up on the table? Just. You can you can go serious. You can go hot take. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> Only the hottest of takes from me, right? No, I I think we'll be right there on the cusp of the playoffs. Is is kind of where I have us. Uh, you know, um, you know, last season I kind of, haha, we'll get eighth place, and holy cow, we did. Um, <laughs> so you know, I was like, oh crap, wow, we're really good. I think we we will have improved. There's so much competition now. Fresno coming on board. They've got a great team. The Las Vegas, good team. It's just every year you have better competition, better teams, more teams to compete against. Um, I I, I go back to your question. Yeah, I think we'll be right there on the cusp of fighting for a playoff spot. If these guys get together and mesh really well, I mean, top four is not out out of the question. But it'll. It just depends on how well this team meshes. How you know injuries and all sorts of stuff that are X factors in on you know just throughout a season. But that's kind of where I realistically, you know, as, as somebody who follows Tulsa, I, I think playoff pushing for a playoff. That's 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 where we should be as a franchise. All right. Well, that sounds good. Um, so speaking of new teams to compete against. Um, we have Carson Merck representing Las Vegas Lights. I mean, not the club, but like representing someone who can tell us more about this team that uh, we really don't know that much about. And I know Pony specifically wanted him on because he does not feel that he's high enough on Vegas, right? <laughs> so, yeah. so Carson, tell us about Las Vegas. Should we be excited about the team? Do you think it's going to do good? What kind of players do you've got? going on i mean are you excited for 2018 tell, tell us more about vegas well as far as the players there are a lot of mexican players as we know mm-hmm. um uh, it was kind of there was actually in the review journal which is the paper out here they had an article kind of highlighting the lack of mexican players around usl in general and then uh like actually announced more signings today and just about every one of them has uh, experience in league mx whether it's at 
you know, a, a junior side level academy, whatever it is, or the senior side. Uh, so a lot of Mexican players. Um, you have a Mexican coach, Elise. Uh, so it's going to be real interesting. Um, they had an open scrimmage over the weekend on Saturday. Um, really good crowd. I know a big thing with Vegas was always, you know, will they support you know sports teams? Obviously, the Golden Knights are one of the best teams in the NHL, so people are going out to those matches. Um, the lights, I mean, it was just an open scrimmage against a club team in California. It was a pretty packed house at UNLV. Um, their supporter group, Electric Company, is in full force. Um, they've had a couple, you know, other pro, semi-pro teams kind of come and go here. So I think they're get behind something that seems a little more, you know, substantial. So it's going to be interesting. Um, they looked okay in the scrimmage. Um, Gerardo Luga, who is one of the uh, Mexican players, he actually has some experience with the Mexican national team. Uh, he had two goals, and he looks good. A lot of experience from some of the Mexican players. And, again, like I said, not all of them are, you know, getting next stars for the top clubs. A lot of them played down there. So, you know, they've played professionally in a, a relatively competitive league. So it should be real, real interesting. I like that everything that they, that USL, you know, when, when they, when they announced that Vegas was going to start looking for Mexican players, I was like, what Mexican player wants to come to the United States and play in the USL, but they kind of slot in perfectly you know, Liga MX so far, by all you know, CONCACAF Champions League standards, is dominating MLS pretty badly. Obviously, so you know, if you put MLS below Division One uh, Liga MX, and then you put USL below Division Two Liga MX, maybe maybe USL is a nice place to go for Mexican players if they can't get into uh, the second tier in Mexico. Not to mention being in a cool place like Vegas. Um, so. Um, hopefully they can draw them in. It sounds like they're having no trouble finding players. Are, are, are they pretty good quality players as far as you can tell so far? Yeah, and you, and you have varying levels. Um, like you said, with you know the way Liga MX is competitively, you're going to have, as you do in any level of soccer, you're going to have you know, stars on the team, you're going to have the, you know, solid players on the team, you're going to have some kind of the fringe players. Some of these guys are those fringe players. Um, Luga and Huiki are both you know, Mexican national team players in their mid-30s. Uh, so they're more of the, you know, experienced style. But a lot of them are guys that were with League MX teams and either bounced around with trials in League MX or, you know, played for one team barely and then, you know, played with like a youth side there. So a lot of them are, you know, I think seeing, you know, you have this Mexican coach, he's, as you guys have seen, a character, which is going to be fun in itself to watch. <laughs> Uh, it's going to be interesting. I think a lot of them think they can come here, you know, showcase their skill. He obviously is, you know, connected with Liga MX. So whether, you know, player X comes here the of the season, you know, him coaching them, I think is going to have carry some weight if they wanted to go back to Liga MX possibly. Or like you said, Vegas mm-hmm. is a pretty cool place to live. I mean, I live here, so <laughs> that kind of speaks for itself. And Freddie Adu's here. So, I mean, that also speaks for itself. But, All right, man. You said so, his name. Uh, you said his name. Did, Let's hear it. <laughs> well, wait, wait. Yeah, is, is he, did he get signed or is he just training? No, he, he is just trialing. And every time um, they make an announcement, again, the, the Review Journal is covering them pretty well. <laughs> uh, every time there's roster announcements, he's like, they signed five new and then, like, Freddie Adu is still not among them. But he is still, um, <laughs> to my knowledge, trialing here. As far as a um, review of his skills, he he's a, a little a little wide in the midsection. That is Saw that's that. a fact. Yeah. Um, he he was surprisingly um, quick in you know close areas. As far as you know, he was pretty good on the ball. Um, his long distance running was, as you can imagine, being a little, a little huskier. It wasn't, you know, he wasn't catching everyone's attention, but um, he looked okay. Honestly. I mean, he didn't look like a, the next Pele amongst, <laughs> you know, a club team and USL, which I mean, you can kind of expect that, but he also didn't look like hilarious. So I'm like, Oh my gosh, look at this big fat guy out there that can't even play. Um, it's going to be interesting, and I know Chalice, their manager, isn't the type to 
sign someone to sign someone. So, you know, I know it's Vegas and it's kind of a, you know, generally a gimmicky town. I don't think they're going to say, hey, you know, we can sell 10 tickets to people who think it's hilarious. We have Freddie do. And so I, I, if, if they think he can play and they think he can kind of gain his fitness, sure, maybe they sign him. But um, I don't know. It, it wasn't. It wasn't horrible, and it wasn't like mind blowingly awesome. I'd be kind of surprised if they did sign him, only because the poor guy seems to change teams more than I change pants. I mean, <laughs> and it's—I mean, it's not against. It. I mean, I think he was—he was very—he was, very, was just—you know—hyped up like crazy as a kid, and and it don't just didn't work out. You know, it's unfortunate. But um, tell tell like like. A, some of the players you've got, like maybe, maybe top three, top four, most exciting players you guys have signed so far. I would say definitely. Oh, and first off, before I go into that, another Freddie Adu story because I know we all like those. So <laughs> it's one of those as as writers, we're supposed to be, you know, we're we're above the fan level. So admittingly, I have a Freddie Adu national team jersey. So I see this opportunity at the open scrimmage as an opportunity to get him to sign up. So. I journey over, my cousin and I, so we get over there and um, said, hey, Freddie, do you mind signing this? And um, his comment was, effing throw back. Didn't say effing, but he, he happily signed it. It was very nice. And then I talked to him just for a second, and he pretty much said, try to fitness up and um, hopefully, you know, catch on here. So he was, he was very nice. Um, as far as uh, most exciting signings, best signings, I would say, um, going back again, you know, the two national team players, Ricky and uh, Lugo. And then also uh, one of the signings today, Marcelo Alatore. He's all um, <clears throat> mid-30s, early 30s, um, played in Liga MX for a few years. So um, he's a good one. And then also um, Isaac Diaz. He looked, he was kind of caught my attention the most at the open scrimmage. And he is actually from a lower division in uh, Liga MX, but he ended up being signed by Pachuca. But uh, he looked pretty good. But um, a lot of pretty decent players, and I know their plan is to be very uh, attack-minded, which will be, uh, I guess, interesting to see when you don't see like super bona fide, like striking stars. Um, but it should be interesting. And then also um, with their pitch, they're going to go the route of you know converting a baseball stadium. There's actually a pretty cool little time-lapse video of them doing that for the first time um, last week. And it looks good. They're going to demolish the pitcher's mound every week. Whoa. Uh, so it looks like they're going to – yeah, they're, they're going to do it. And when I talked to their owner months ago when this whole thing kind of got started, he was saying, you know, we, we want the, – the ideal is, you know, you show up to a match. I don't want you to know this is a baseball stadium. It mm. should look like uh, a legitimate soccer pitch. So – uh, it looks good. I mean, you guys can go to you know, the lights, Twitter, or Facebook, and check out the time lapse video. And uh, looks looks pretty legit. So we'll see what happens. Hey, now, Carson, I, oh, go ahead. Well, I was just I was going to ask one one quick question about being in Vegas, and I've been there a number of times, um, and even in this uh, once or twice in this time because I had a friend who was stationed at Nellis for a while. Um, it gets just like just awful awful hot um and i have in-laws that live out of phoenix so like i know how hot that part of the country gets um how do you think that's going to affect either how the team plays or potentially any home field dominance that they will have over visitors if they're playing in i mean they they wouldn't be able to be able to play in in temperatures that can get up there over in triple digits right yeah, it's gonna be, it's gonna be good for a lot of the Vegas players, I guess, because you're here training in it. Um, I've said before when people say to me, "Oh, you know, it's super hot there. How do you, you know, live in 115?" And I was like, "Not only we're supposed to live in 115, so um, I don't think anyone's like fully ever adjusted to it." But I, I would almost look at it as a similar advantage to like Colorado Springs with the altitude. Um, you're going to come here other than Phoenix who probably going to be pretty used to it. Um, it's going to be toasty. So uh, I would say it's going to be an advantage as long as the players, you know, fitness level stays good. They're going to be used to it. So 
Yeah, it is. It definitely gets pretty hot here. So uh, I think a lot of the writers that come into town are excited about staying in the press box where it's you know, hopefully going to be well air-conditioned. <laughs> hey, Carson, I also heard that you were going to, going to be hosting out-of-towners too. Is that correct? Supporter groups, full supporter groups, is that correct? <laughs> that is couldn't be more far from the truth. Um, I will. Well, and, and it's funny. The, the thing to always say is like, oh, let's you know, grab a beer after the match. Unfortunately, I don't drink, so I can't say like, hey, let's grab a beer after the match. So it's usually like, let's grab a burrito after the match. Or And nothing's um, no, worse I, I than not to, drinking and watching a bunch of drinkers. <laughs> yeah, and, it, and it's like, I, just, I know it sounds cool and like manly to say, so sometimes I say it anyway, and then we get there, and I'm like, yeah, I'll take Dr. Pepper. But um, <laughs> no, I look forward to and I've had, we have a pretty tight-knit group as far as the USL, all people who cover the USL, and I've had like 30 different people in different ways say, hey, coming out to Vegas for a match. I'm like, yeah, we don't even play your team. They're like, yeah, going to come out to a match anyway. So um, I will definitely, I will be cordial and see all of you guys, but um, nobody is sleeping in a spare bedroom or anything like that. I like you guys, but not that much. Oh, I'll br- what if I bring an OU shirt, something signed by Lincoln Riley, would that change your mind? Now, my dad is actually, as I told you before, my dad huh. is, a, is a huge Oklahoma fan. So that is, uh, definitely possible. He was a Billy Sims guy, so that it could earn you some some brownie points. All right, sounds good. <laughs> so Carson, uh, we we talked about this off air earlier today because I, I've been finding it weird how Las Vegas has me- players signed, what twenty something players signed. But every time I read about it in the newspaper, which it's amazing that they're covering it so well. I think that's really awesome. First of all, but. Uh, second of all, they keep saying they're preseason signings, and then I go to the USL uh, transfer tracker. You know, I didn't put it in the notes because I don't know if these guys are USL official yet. And so, like, I wonder if there's this weird gray area between a trialist, a preseason signing, and an official USL signing, or if this is like classic USL hasn't posted it yet because they haven't gotten to it. I don't know because they've been so good so far. It, any thoughts or, or guesses on that? It could. Well, it could be another option of, you know, Vegas were known for like magician shows. So maybe <laughs> we're just giving you this preseason roster and then the second opening match starts, we have, you know, 25 different people on the roster. A little but, misdirection. I um, like it. Yeah, a little, little misdirection. But, um, yeah, it looks like my guess, again, I have no, you know, official knowledge of this. My guess is they're bringing all these people in, assuming they're going to find them when the season starts. But, um, the fact that, to my knowledge, there's no requirement to have anybody signed. So I don't. I just don't think. I think it's a matter of you know if they don't have to be signed officially yet with the USL, there's no rush. Yeah. So that is my guess. Um, I've been wrong before, surprisingly, but um, that is my best guess of the situation. But yeah, definitely kind of interesting. Cool. Cool. Sounds good. Anybody else want to ask anything? Pony, did uh, yeah. we covered lights enough? <laughs> um, I kind of want to throw in one thing. I know we used the term gimmick at one point, and that's the yeah. extent what I'm afraid of the Vegas team being is more of a gimmick team where they cater more to pulling in fans and getting their attendance out from the road trip teams. And who showed up so far on the roster it seems more of either big names who are probably over the hill or people who I don't actually recognize at all. I see their roster. I go like, Oh, they're in their mid thirties. That's old for USL or, Oh, them. Who is that? And I'm wondering how you think that's really going to come together for the team. Or is it going to be more geared toward the youth, local youth are trying to develop, or are they going to try to make the core veteran players who are maybe have a couple of years of experience, not a couple of years of life left in their soccer legs before they hang it up for good. I was like, Jesus, a couple, a couple years left in their life. That, that was a little dark, <laughs> but, um, I was, as you were, I was skeptical when they announced it. I'm like, Oh, great. They're going to, you know, it's going to be sponsored by Hoosiers and it's gonna be just some, some stupid <laughs> stuff. But, um, the way I'm, I'm seeing it now, I, I don't get that vibe. Um, Oh, the roster, um, I keep waiting for more like traditional USL players that I'm familiar with to sign, and they're not. Um, to me, they're just using that Mexican market of nobody is signing these league MX players like the fringe players. 
Um, those guys in their, their mid thirties, I think Chalice trusts, and I think he wants, um, if you've ever seen an interview of him, he, you might think his skin tone is red because he gets very angry very quickly. And mm-hmm. um, so he may just want players that he knows, okay, when I send them out there to do this, they're going to know what they're doing. Not, you know, maybe a 24 year old guy who's played in the USL for one season. You want a guy who's been in the league at max system for five years. Um, that's kind of my guess. I haven't really got the gimmicky vibe. We'll see when their kits are unveiled next week. Those very well could be very gimmicky, but um, I hope we will so. definitely see. Yeah, I hope. I kind of hope so too. But <laughs> um, kind of, I kind of don't like my soccer writer side says no. But like <laughs> me just being a me being a person that lives here, I'm like, yeah, please just do something really ridiculous. <laughs> but um, yeah, I've really got the gimmicky vibe yet. We'll we'll see the like the match day experience, how gimmicky that gets. There's like a Cirque show at halftime, or you know, from, like I, I'm picturing kind of like the Marlins home run statue somewhere, you know, across the pit, the flames go up and the Marlins in the whole nine. <laughs> Las yeah. Vegas Lights, sponsored by Pawn Stars. <laughs> yeah, I I just see Vegas as a team that like has a maybe a ceiling of like sixth or something like that, but. Their floor to me is really, really low this season. It depends how they want to go. I could see them going both ways, but I just don't have the trust yet until I see them put a team together that I see on the field and actually look strong. That's a good way to say it. Their floor is really low because it it truly is. That's perfect. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I mean, every season you've seen in the past, I mean, at least the past two or three seasons, there's always an expansion team that does really well, especially in the West. Um Two years ago, it was my Toros getting second in the West. Um, last year, obviously, Reno was was crazy. But it could be. It definitely could be Vegas. Um, but like you said, could could be they could be a seller dweller. My prediction would be somewhere between four and eight. Um, I think Chalice is just too good not to have them in the playoffs in a division that is not the top. So I guess we'll see. Um but yeah, uh, like you said, I, I'm kind of waiting for traditional signings, but everyone seems confident. So, you know, everyone around you seems confident. Like my thought is always, if I'm on a plane and I'm nervous about turbulence, but the flight attendants aren't, I'm not nervous. So I'm like, okay, you know, they don't think the plane's going down. So I don't think the plane's going down. So I'm kind of going into it with that logic. Like everyone you talk to is like, yeah, they're going to be pretty good. I'm like, okay, I trust you. You heard it here first. Las Vegas lights is a plane crash waiting to happen. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. All right. All right. Anyway, uh, thank you very much for all that fantastic uh, Vegas news um, and information. So I think we've all learned a little bit more about Vegas. Hopefully everybody else has too. Um, Up next is our own pony with uh, indomitable city soccer to tell us Sacramento. Give us some Sacramento knowledge. Drop some bombs. Boy, I mean, the movie over the last two days have like ruined half of my notes. <laughs> <laughs> One of those, I had this whole thing planned, and then they signed a new GM, uh, Todd Dunevalt, Dunevalt from, yeah. his names are not my strong point, from the San Francisco Deltas NASL team that won the championship there last season. Dunevalt. And then, Todd yeah, Dunevalt. Dunevalt. Okay. Anyway, I'm sorry. Yeah. And then today, they announced the coach, uh, Paul Buckle, is no longer with the team. They mutually part ways, and they promoted one of their uh, coaches from their under-17 team, who's done pretty well, who is Simon Elliott. He has some MLS, World Cup, Premier League talent, and he's played there for a few years of, of his life. And now he's been coaching the Sacramento, one of their academy systems for the last couple of years, and we have a new coach, which, after a new GM, is... Not always that unsurprising, but to happen a few weeks before, well, a week before the season starts, Sacramento has their first friendly on the 10th. So nine days before the first preseason friendly, we have a brand new coach and a brand new GM, which is something I really wasn't expecting. So that's been something to really throw a wrench in the whole gear of Sacramento, who has been kind of hemorrhaging players over the offseason, which has not been that fun watching people who we know and I've been fans of leaving. A couple of people left Fresno. We had Cazares, Cheney, and most of all, Danny Barrera, who is a very, very good center midfielder. He's good, good assister, good at keeping control of everything. If he stayed, he probably would have had one of the top few picks for being the captain on the team. But 
he's gone now too, which is kind of the, the story of the off season. There's been a few okay pickups. We lost Evan Newton, our keeper over Cincinnati, kind of made a sidestep and grabbed uh, Cohen from Phoenix. Just not bad. Biggest loss, I think, by far, Emmer Clementa, who went to L.A., their first team. He's been, he missed about the fifth of the season last year due to being on loan to the Montenegro national team in World Cup qualifying. Hmm. So that was, that was something. That was the story of the 2017 season for Sacramento. There were a lot of people who were hurt. There are a lot of people who missed time due to qualifying. I think Sacramento only had eight players who started at least 18 games. Whoa. It's, there was a lot of switching stuff up in the middle of the season, and that is what frustrated fans. Talking between me and other people who I know who are fans of Sacramento, the frustration was every week we had no idea who was going to play where and what the lineup was going to be. When you have 15, 20 people who are all viable starters and there's no clear starter, and you have a coach who wants to switch stuff up every week, you just get this whole situation where nothing is consistent, and consistency is one of the core parts of the USL to me. It's better to have a team of a consistent 12, 15 people who are going to cycle through instead of having 20 people who each week they're going to be someone lost to an injury or lost to a loan or lost to international duty, which is, I mean... I'm happy to say he lost international duty in the USL because that means you're doing something right. Both uh, Trevor and Caesar, who is also, again, no longer with the team. We don't know where he's at right now. But he was a Trinidad and Tobago striker who started quite a few games for Sacramento and even came on that one game that we know we'll not talk about against the U.S. near the end of the qualifying. We're going to blow by that and get back, <laughs> get back to where Sacramento is going this year. They brought in some... Ex Los Dos players, a few of them, mostly Villarreal, who I think most people realize is one of the two Villarreal siblings. I'm hoping he's going to be take over the midfield and be successful because I know he's burned Sacramento a few times in the past. He's a very talented midfielder who hopefully will be able to take control of everything. Defense, who grabbed a lot of ex MLS two players who couldn't quite cut it, and the team seems to sour on and say, you know what, we're just going to move. Move on from you, Seller from Vancouver, Taintor from Toronto, and Turnley from LA from most of us again, bringing in three three people who couldn't quite hack it in MLS, I guess. So we'll see how that works. I know a big defense wins champ- championship proponent, so taking people who can't quite make it in MLS is a little bit frightening for me, especially since one of the better backs uh, outside backs for Sacramento, Elliot Hordes, just went under. Just recently so he's going to miss at least the first two or three games of the season potentially he won't be back until he potentially won't even make it back until april's over and when we're not going with a lot of defenders i think that's where the team needs to really concentrate right now they've brought back a cameron awasa who from sacramento fans will know was one of the i think he was the leading goal scorer in the 2016 season he signed with swope park rangers got hurt in training and then basically stayed on the bench for the entire season, occasionally played for the Swope Park Rangers instead of Sporting Kansas City. So it'll be nice to see him back in a Sacramento uniform. Hopefully he can be the leading scorer because we don't really have a pure striker right now. He's the best the team has. Mm. The biggest strength I see right now are going to be the defensive mids because right now both uh, Adam Moffat, who missed almost the entire 2017 season with an injury, and Jeremy Hawk, who came over from Tampa Bay, are both still on the roster. If they both stay on the roster, that's a very, very good starting point. Because if they're both defensive mids, they're both probably top 15, 20 defensive mids in the USL. So that's what I'm hoping for moving forward. And with a new coach, a new GM, I don't know what's going to happen right now. I think I have tempered expectations where I could see them picking up a few good players and making a run, and I could see them continuing to regress since the first season which has been a theme of they've stayed about the same skill level but there's been no there's been there's been no improvement as the rest of the league improves they slide further and further down the table last year just barely making it in over colorado springs so i think this is another team who has a high floor and a seat has a not high floor high ceiling and a pretty low floor too so i'm yeah poor bit of fear well it seems like 
Donovan is, is probably the right perfect person for this exact time in our soccer history in our country because I mean everyone's talking about all those NASL players who don't have jobs right now that may not you know play a game a meaningful game perhaps until what August I can't remember when they want to start but um, you know there's a lot of NASL players out there and who better to maybe bring those talented people in than a guy who used to be on a club in the NASL that doesn't exist anymore that won the league last year. So, man, that that is the right guy to pull in. I'm excited to see what happens in the next two or three weeks. He's got his work cut out for him, obviously. But, man, if he can pull in an NASL striker or a playmaker or a winger or something like that, that's pretty exciting. But I didn't realize how, how glim it is in Sacramento right now. I mean, honestly, you painted a pretty, a pretty bad picture there, Pony. Yeah, they lost a lot of their top talent. Uh, James Giffey, who's also was an outside wing for Sacramento, is basically unheard of as far as I could tell. Hmm. If they lose him, they probably lost at least four of their top five players. They have a lot of depth, but right now I'm kind of nervous for what the roster is. It's because the West is still improving. There's The West is a decent conference. It's not quite as strong as the East. But if they can't take some steps to actually improve instead of doing another sidestep, they are in serious trouble even making the playoffs. Do you think that this is a reaction to the MLS news, or or do you think these are just uh, unrelated? I think it's. I don't want to talk MLS because yeah, I, know, I, know. I know I'm getting. I'm not happy about what that's going right now, but I think. If Sacramento had announced MLS as confirmed at this point, it would be different. But I don't think you could really blame any of this on MLS. Mm-hmm. I mean, I for a while I was thinking they're trying to wait and see, but at this point, I think, I think it's coming down to unless some billionaire says, "Hey, I want to buy an MLS team," they're not going to get it this time. So they need to start making their moves either way, and I think at this point he's going to bypass MLS and move on. I think it had a. Once, once you got like to the new year, I think that whole thing, that whole argument's out the window, and they're just trying to figure out what to do. And they can't with a new coach and new GM. Maybe they'll actually do stuff now. I know last year during the first friendly, Sammy Ochoa showed up on the roster out of nowhere, and who knows? Maybe you're gonna get someone like that. Just like, oh, them, they're good, but <laughs> we'll see. That's next. The tenth is the tenth is the first friendly, so we'll see who shows up until then. I'm slightly pessimistic on this. I'm going to back you up quite a bit to something you said earlier where, um, you know, the 18 players only, oh, sorry. I don't know how many players played 18 games last year. Can you remind me what you said there? It was about 10, 10 players started 18 games. Yeah. Something like that. You, you, um, in our conversations off, off the air, obviously throughout the week, I think it was last week you were talking about exactly that, about how, you know, obviously it's a little bit better if players or if teams play kind of the same guys week in and week out. But I was a little surprised it wasn't it wasn't a huge majority of of teams that did better doing it that way. I was surprised how many, you know, especially two sides and some of them not two sides that used a whole lot of different players um, and were still somewhat successful. But, you know. I think maybe you need a deep squad for that. You almost need to be a two-team. Could Sacramento have done better using, you know, 10 players 18 times and then having to shift around for the rest of the season? Maybe. I think a lot of it was injury and loan and uh, international base last year because they had a lot of people go down at times they were not supposed to go down. Like I said, Barrer, who is probably showing to be captain, only played 16 games last year. Adam Moffat, who is... Showed a lot of potential, barely even played. He got hurt early on and never came back from it. I think it was a lot of their, the key, the, the clear starters weren't there. And the backups, there was no clear backup. And Paul Buckle really couldn't decide on a good, okay, here's my second best player in this position. Mm-hmm. And just kept bouncing people around. That's big. That's big. Yeah. I'm yeah, listening at it. Oh, yeah, it, was, it was only 11 players started more than half the games last year for Sacramento. Mm. So that's that's not fun. 
I'm listening intently to Pony because um, I wanted to let everyone know that the USL show, uh, the the main hosts of the East and the West are doing power rankings or preseason rankings to kind of guess who's going to be the best by the end of the season. And I think we'll be updating them throughout the season, but I think we're going to have an episode coming up pretty soon um, talking about where we ranked everybody. We've already been uh, making fun of each other's picks uh, off air. It's been a lot of fun, and I think the episode's going to be good. So I'm really I'm listening to Pony here. I, I think I'm going to move Sacramento down just a couple notches for sure after listening yeah. to this. I think it might have been the lowest on them out of everybody. <laughs> I, well, I think it's funny because you may have just, and I, I might do the same thing. You may have just dragged me and fell down with you. <laughs> Sacramento is going to drop a couple spots just because of you. <laughs> better not be a cheap trick, Pony. I'm watching you. <laughs> no, they're still, they're not going to move up on me unless someone should, good shows up soon. <laughs> I'm still, I, I have to wait till Tulsa actually beats Sacramento before I say one way or the other. We'll still win two one. Yeah, for real. As always. Ugh. I think I think my team might win more than three games in twenty eighteen. I, I feel like that's a that's How a good you? guess. Accidentally <laughs> win more than three games. <laughs> anyway, uh, you guys got anything else you'd like to ask Pony about Sacramento? I think we're good. No? All right. Well, uh, that'll be it for us. It looks like Carson may have. Off. So unfortunately, I can't ask him where we can find him on the internet. But I know you can find him on Dynamo Theory, um, Houston Dynamo's uh, SB Nation blog, and he also does uh, switching, switching soccer. Switching plays soccer. So you can find him on that. Um, but I'd like to thank him for joining <laughs> us. Um, I'd also like to thank Roger Graham with uh, Tornado Alley. Roger, tell everyone where they can find you on the internet. Absolutely. Well. My personal accounts are R-O-G-M-A-N-9-9, I-G, where uh, you can follow me there, uh, Tornado Alley SPC, Twitter as well. I mostly keep all my soccer content uh, uh, to on this Tornado Alley SPC, so that's where I drop all the new episodes here on BGN. Yeah, so follow me, holler at me, say hi. You know, I'd love to hear from folks out there. Awesome. And Pony, where can everyone find you on the internet? I am on Twitter at IronPonyChef, and I write for Indomitable City Soccer, which I can still never pronounce. (laughs) So keep an eye on that. I know with uh, Ryan Allen, we're going to start coming up with the Elos Finale rankings kicking off when the season starts. That's always a fun one. All right. And Phil, internet? Phil Grooms on Twitter, two L's, two O's, STL Soccer Report on Twitter as well. And um, one last thing I wanted to say was uh, Dan Egner is the GM for Real Monarchs, and he messaged us saying he wouldn't mind coming on the show, and it's perfect because uh, we need to preview the the Monarchs, and so we are going to have a a separate interview just with him to talk about the Monarch system. And so I'm really excited to talk to him on Tuesday, but we're going to air it on the Friday episode with all the other previews. So look forward to that next week. That's a big deal. Stealing my thunder. I had that coming up. Oh, my bad. My bad. (laughs) No, that's all good. I was going to that stuff. So, But he's right. We will have Dan Egner, GM of the Real Monarchs, on next week. Super exciting there. Um, you can find me, Kevin McCamish, on the internet. Uh, I am at KMcCamishPDX. I am also at PDK Podcast. You know, I host, help host the USL show. I host Play the Kids. I'm on StumptownFooty.com, the Timbers and T2 and Thorns SB Nation blog. Um, I want to thank our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier of MLS, USL, and US soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. R-U-F-F, neckscarves.com. You can find us on the Beautiful Game Network. Um, If you go to our webpage, you can click the support the show button for Patreon. $1 gets you a sticker, super awesome sticker. $5, you know, we'll come and commentate a a match for your team. And $10, you can even join us as a host. We'll let you run the show maybe. I don't know. Um, And then also, if anyone out there um, happens to to have lots of knowledge or cover uh, some teams, we still need guests for previews. Um, Los Dos, LA Galaxy 2. Um, Fresno, if anybody out there wants to help us uh, learn more about Fresno, please get in touch with us. Uh, Reno1868, help get in touch with us. 
And that was me that messed up the Fresno uh, at name, so that's my fault. Sorry, I know it now. <laughs> do do I have to? Do we have to have someone on from Sounders too? Do do really? Do we have to? <laughs> we can. I kid, I kid. <laughs> I guess if you know Sounders too, come on, and we'll have some banter between T two and S two. So uh, get a hold of us at the USL Show on Twitter, um, or any of the hosts. You know, myself, Pony, Phil. Um, Evan, who has been doing a lot of the Eastern uh, episodes, I'll be very excited to get the whole team back together for some real USL episodes soon. Yep. Um, get a hold of any of us. We'd love to get in touch with somebody for Los Dos. Sounders to, I guess, Fresno and Reno. Um, and then again, that's it. Next week, look for that interview with Dan Egner. Again, check out RoughneckScarves.com, Beautiful Game Network. Check out our, our Patreon. Thank you very much. Hope you guys enjoy this episode and have a great night. Bye. Bye.